Good morning, everybody. My name is Matt Sprankle, and I'm the associate pastor here at Church in the Valley. We hope that you've been enjoying uh, our service this morning. And today I'm going to continue our series called Life Hacks. Now, the word hack or uh, life hack was first used in a technology conference back in 2004 uh, to describe shortcuts that IT people use to get their work done. These days, we tend to use the word life hack uh, to describe anything that helps us save time or money to do more with less uh, to basically make life easier. We've been looking at a couple life hacks that uh, you may or may not be aware of, and I'm going to start off this week showing you a few more. Uh, the first one is this one. If you have twins or triplets, you're having a hard time telling them apart, paint one of their toenails a different color. Or if you're short, uh, short on counter space, you can open a drawer, place a cutting board on top. Now, for those of you who love bacon, I love bacon. You can cook bacon in a waffle maker to avoid getting splashed with grease. And then there's keys. Oftentimes it's hard to remember which lock the key goes to. So you can paint your keys with nail polish to tell the difference. Uh, these are all different kinds of life hacks, and they'll save you a little bit of time. But the best hacks in life can be found in the Bible, and more specifically in the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, God is telling us how to hack life and spend less time beating our heads against the wall. The book of Proverbs is a book of cause and effect, not chemical cause and effect, not physical cause and effect, not biological cause and effect, but moral cause and effect. God rules this universe, and he rules the universe in line with his character, with his will. And in the book of Proverbs, in the book of uh, Psalms, Job, uh, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, in these books of wisdom, God is revealing to us the moral cause and effect of the universe in which we live. And so we study these books so that we can hack life, so that we can learn by observation rather than by experience, so that we can find the only true shortcuts in life. The term that God uses for life hacks in the Bible is wisdom. Wisdom is the word, biblically, for the only life hacks that you can find. So in Proverbs 4 or 5, it says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Now, wisdom is very different than intelligence. Intelligence is measured on an IQ test, but wisdom is measured by the life you live. That's a very different thing. Now, last week we looked at the universal definition of success. People in general have a very similar definition for the good life. The specifics may be different. But generally, we're all chasing after the same set of things. And the reason why is in the world that we live in, we all face the same kinds of questions and tensions, problems and needs. We're all essentially taking the same test in life. And so we've all got to figure out how to feed ourselves, clothe ourselves, protect ourselves, have children, raise children, take care of our parents when they're old. We've all got to figure out how to you know, manage our time and determine who we can trust and who we have to avoid. There are just a common set of questions that everyone has to answer. And God has given us a great deal of wisdom and direction as to which of those answers is best in the book of Proverbs. And so we're looking at Proverbs so that we can hack life biblically. Now, you have to get wisdom in order to do that. You have to get wisdom. You have to learn what God says about life so that 
you really understand not just what God's words mean, but how to use them, how to follow them, how to obey them. Because at the critical moment, you don't want to forget what God says. If you forget to use God's word to guide you or to stay on track, well, then you're going to swerve off, as the verse says, swerve off into a ditch. So we have to remember and we have to not swerve. Now, if you've raised children or if you've coached before, you know how hard it is to remember. You know, you keep telling your children the same thing over and over and over. And if you're a coach, you're repeating the same directions. You're running the same drills. You go to a game and it seems like after a week of practice, the same mistakes are being made. It's easy to forget. There's a lot to learn equally in the Bible. And we, we actually need to remember quite a bit about wisdom. And we have the brain capacity to get God's wisdom. But the biggest, biggest problem that we have is not the capacity. The biggest problem we have, according to Proverbs 4, 5, is that we don't, uh, we don't remember, we forget, and we swerve. We don't want to do it. It's our will and it's our minds, forgetting and swerving. Now, during COVID, uh, we decided to give our boys some haircuts. And so I went online to try to figure out how to do it. And I watched the videos. I tried to learn from the people on YouTube. And then I attempted to cut one of my son's hair. And it was, it was a train wreck. It was not good. My wife, she fixed it. Now, if I can't remember how to cut my son's hair from a YouTube video, how am I going to remember all of God's wisdom as I read it in the scriptures? And how am I going to recall it and pull it up in the moment of need? The answer is I can't on my own. My best hope is to get around wise people and position myself to learn from them. And that's why, again, in the book of Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. Wisdom is its more of a life skill to learn than it is a set of ideas to memorize. It's like learning how to swim. You can read all about it, but until you get into a pool, you don't really know how to swim. And if you have a coach, you can go much further faster than if you're just trying to do it alone. So the fourth life hack, the fourth life hack in this series is teachability. It's being teachable. It's being teachable to God's word and being teachable to those who are wise. Wisdom is difficult to learn on your own. We need to find someone who is wise, someone who's at least two steps ahead of us, and we need to learn from them. And that's why it says, listen to advice and accept instruction in Proverbs 19.20. That's called being teachable. And then it says, in the end, after you're teachable over time, you will be wise. It's not a six-week crash course. It's not one and done, although we wished it could be. Really, it's a pattern of living, a pattern of repeatedly choosing to learn, to listen, to ask questions, to be open. This kind of teachability is truly a shortcut in life. It's the path to wisdom, if we'll choose it. Now, you might be thinking, well, why can't I just get wisdom by myself? Why can't I just get it alone? And the reason why is because we have three challenges, three memory challenges that make it very difficult for us to get wisdom on our own. Our first memory challenge is that our memory is limited. 
Our memory is very limited. The way our minds store and retrieve information is similar to how a a computer does this. The place where the data is stored in a computer is called a hard drive, and it contains files and programs. The place where you hold uh, the data currently in use is called the RAM, random access memory. And that's a much smaller piece of equipment than the hard drive. And it retrieves from the hard drive the information that you need to do the task. So this is a hard drive from a computer. You can see it's pretty large. And it stores all the information, all the programs, all the data on the computer. This is very small. And this is your, this is the RAM. This is the random access memory, which draws out of the hard drive the information needed to do the task. And our brain works a lot like this. We have the ability to remember a lot of things, but we're very limited in what we can pull up and use at any given moment. In 1981, Bill Gates said that 240K should be enough RAM for anybody. Today, our computers have 12,005 times that amount of RAM. But unlike a computer, we can't purchase more RAM. We can't expand our brain's random access memory. Instead, we can only focus on a very small amount of information at a time. And the problem is not our hard drive. We have plenty of space in our brain to learn and store new information. But we can't. What we can't do is keep all this information up in the front so that we can use it exactly when we need it. It's not available immediately. According to 2018 Pew Research Study, for example, according to this Pew Research Study, 80% of Americans, they say they believe in the existence of God. They, they have that information somewhere in storage. But that fact, that they believe in God, that they know that God is there, that fact is often left in the storage. And it very rarely gets to the ram. It very rarely gets called up to be used daily, situation by situation, choice by choice. God rarely, if ever, makes it to the front of our minds and very rarely affects the choices being made. Sometimes he is forgotten at the moment when we decide to speak or act. What that means is that we're capable of believing the truth about God. That doesn't make its, uh, we're capable of believing the truth about God, but that truth doesn't make its way into the way we live our lives. This is why God is repeatedly telling his people in the scriptures to remember. I took a little screen video on my phone of just the the number of verses in the book of Deuteronomy, just one book in the Bible, the number of verses that tell God's people to remember. Take a look at these. Now, all of these verses are constantly calling the people of God to remember what God has done, to remember what they had done, to remember God's faithfulness, God's commands, that he's trustworthy. To remember, because we forget. And since there is a limit to what we can bring to the forefront of our minds, since we only have so much RAM, we really have to decide what it is we're going to think about. So how are we going to remember God? How are we going to make sure that we're always bringing back to the front of our minds the truth that God He rules this world, that his ways are right and true. How do we remember God in moments and situations in which we're making 
decisions, so that we can live a, a wise life, so that we can be successful. How do we do that? Well, one of the things we have to do, Proverbs 19.20 says, is listen to advice. This is the only way to expand your RAM. If you want more RAM, unlike your computer, you can't buy it. But if you listen to advice, you can expand the amount of memory by borrowing it from other people. That's what you're doing right now. You're listening to advice about God this morning. This is what we do every Sunday. That's why many of you are a part of small groups. It's because of our limited memory. They often help us, encourage us, remind us of who God is and how we can trust and obey him situation by situation, day by day, all the way into the blessed life that God wants to give us. This is often what distinguishes the truly wise. They're the ones who keep expanding, not the actual RAM, but expanding the input throughout the years of their lives, expanding the input that they allow others to give them. Proverbs 12:15 says, The way of the fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. A foolish person thinks that they're so, so smart that they don't need anybody to help them, that they can be their own life guide. And these people, they're not dumb. They might actually be the smartest person in the room. But the issue is not how smart we are. That's not the problem. That's not the fundamental question when it comes to wisdom. The issue is not how smart we are. The issue is a limitation of our memory. And the issue is how hard our heart is. These are things that we simply cannot overcome on our own. And the wise person recognizes their natural limitations. And so they continually and keep choosing input because we all need advice. We all need input. We all need reminders. Also, another reason why it's very difficult for us to remember on our own is our memory is actually personal. We remember best what we learn from the people we know best. Proverbs 27.9 says something interesting. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friends springs from his earnest counsel. What in the world do those two things have to do together? Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and pleasantness of one's friends springs from his earnest counsel. What does this mean? Well, Researchers have, have long been telling us that smells, they trigger memory, like perfume in this verse. My wife wears perfume, and the perfume that she smells reminds me, uh, that she wears, reminds me of her. And I enjoy it because it reminds me of her, because I enjoy her. I love her. We, we've shared so many years of life that the perfume reminds me of all of those good things. That's how smell triggers memories. We also brew a lot of coffee in our home, and sometimes our house is filled with the aroma of coffee. When I smell coffee brewing, it reminds me of home. Our memory can often be triggered by relationships in the same way that it's triggered by smells. Every year, I remember key dates, key months, because my family has birthdays or anniversary in those particular dates, those months. Right, July, June, May, and January are all big months for our family because of the persons, the people in my life 
who have special days. That's why I remember them especially. I also remember friends from college. I don't really remember the classes, but I remember my friends. And when I think back on college, I think back on it personally. So if God will ever really become a regular facet in the forefront of my mind, if God is ever going to have a permanent place in the ram of my mind, well, I'll need to form friendships that help me remember him. This is part of God's design for the church. He intends it to be a place where we together encourage and remind one another to look at things from God's point of view, to value things according to God's priority rankings, and to live our lives in a way that is consistent with God's word. And we do that for one another. Now, you can learn the truth about God independently. You can open your Bible, you can go online, and you can do it on your own. But if you learn that same truth from someone you know or share the truth with someone, you will be able to recall it far more easily. You'll be able to apply it far more wisely. And you'll have someone there to help you as you get that, that practice, that wise approach deeper and deeper into your character. That's why it says the earnest counsel of one's friends is like perfume. It's a memory trigger that will help you bring God to the forefront of your mind more and more easily. So, seek earnest counsel. Earnest means coming from the heart. Someone's convictions. A friend like this really cares about you. So they counsel and they give you good advice because they really want to help you. This is your life. These are your choices. You're going to live with the outcomes. If you're going to ask for input, it's good to know that you're talking to someone who, one, knows what they're talking about and really cares for you and wants your good. Do you have this kind of friend in your life? How many of these kinds of people do you regularly live life with? If you don't have these kinds of friends, don't feel bad. Start putting in the work that is required to develop these kinds of friendships. Here's how you develop these. Number one, you choose wisely. Look for someone who is seeking God's wisdom. This is one of the benefits of being in a small group, right? Do they speak out of their own opinions or do they lift up God's word and talk about how to live it and put it into practice? When you're a part of a small group at our church, what we do each week is we lift up God's word and we talk about how God's word can be applied to our lives. And you can develop friendships with people who are really trying to learn to live wisely by being a part of a small group. Another thing you can do to develop these kinds of relationships is invest consistently. Friendship requires time, and it takes time. And that's one of the reasons why friendships are disappearing all over our country. Because the time required, the investment required to really make a friendship sweet, a heart-to-heart friendship, where you can really receive this kind of encouragement and wisdom, It costs us. So you have to take the initiative. You want to help these people with their goals. You want to practice hospitality, ask good questions, draw people out, do the work to invest in a friendship, a friendship that can really encourage you over the course of this season in your life. You also need to ask for input. It's amazing how many decisions we make in our lives without asking for any wise counsel or input. I talked about that last week a little bit. We are not like computers that retrieve data on command. 
Much of what we remember, much of what I have learned over my life, I've learned from friends and I've been challenged to remember from friends. Tell me things like, go get him, don't back down. Be patient, wait for God. Did you get all the information? The, the, the advice that I get, the encouragement that I get from the people around me who really love God and are trying to grow in wisdom, that has really protected me and helped me. It's been a shortcut for me in a lot of ways. And where I've been stubborn and hard-headed and I've been refusing to you know, share or open my life in an area, oftentimes it's been the long way around to my death destination. Our retrieval system in our brain, our retrieval system in our mind, it is personal. It's triggered in large part by the people that we have led into our lives and led into our hearts. Finally, our memory, our memory is active. Our memory is active. Just because something makes it to the forefront of our minds, it doesn't mean that it's going to stay there. That's because our minds are active. Thoughts are constantly coming and going. Like in the RAM of the computer, the thoughts in the forefront of our minds are temporary. In fact, the moment the computer is turned off, whatever was on the RAM, it disappears. Now, our minds, they never turn off. But thoughts are continually disappearing from our minds. We are constantly selecting new thoughts to bring to the front. We have the ability to choose what we attend, what we give our attention to. We can bring up thoughts and images and symbols and memories, and we can focus our minds on those things. <clears throat> when a new thought arrives in our minds, and the old thought is forced uh, to leave, what ends up happening for us is that we begin to develop a pattern. The thoughts that we consistently choose to bring up, they begin to shape the way our minds work the patterns of our minds, the things that we think over and over again, like grooves in the ground that have slowly been worn over time. The thoughts that we choose to think, the things that we choose to give our attention to, over time, it becomes more and more of a pattern and more and more automatic. That's why we have to be careful what patterns we allow our mind to develop. What we choose to think over and over again has to be something we're constantly evaluating and looking at. And that's why in Proverbs 5, an analysis is given about someone at the end of their life, someone who spent their life ignoring wisdom, pushing away wise counsel, refusing to give it attention, refusing to let it come in to their mind and shape their decisions. And here's what this person says. Proverbs 5, 11 through 14. At the end of your life, you will groan. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have become or I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. That's a pretty depressing post-mortem of someone's life. Groaning is the sound of a person mourning at the end of their life, a life that's been wasted. They've spent their days doing whatever came into their minds that they wanted to do. They were unwilling to discipline themselves, and now their days are almost gone. And then it says they had come to the brink of utter ruin. They're on the brink one day or one year from coming to the end of their life, having ruined their whole life. 
And all this is happening in the midst of the whole assembly. So what, what does that mean? What assembly? This is the assembly of God's people. Did these people all gather to sit around this person's deathbed and shake their heads? No. This person is recalling all the godly people who have come and gone from their lives. And they're wishing now that they had listened to them. What this postmortem analysis of this ruined life teaches us is that we cannot hate wisdom and we cannot hate the discipline to develop wisdom. How I hated wisdom. That's what he says. The words mean instruction with the corrective edge. This is what being teachable gains. This is where, this is when being teachable gains real traction. When you choose to be disciplined, when you choose to engage yourself in training, that's when you really begin to get traction in wisdom. So listening to advice doesn't mean that you're going to do everything that the advisors tell you. Seeking honest counsel doesn't mean that you're going to follow every single thing someone says. But discipline submits itself to a structuring, a training that makes demands on our lives. If wisdom was evaluated on a written test, we could cram for it. But since wisdom really shows up in real life, that's where you see the fruit of wisdom. We need to train like athletes do. We have to submit to discipline and discipline training in our thinking. This is what will build wise patterns into our active memory. So how do you know if you are being disciplined about God and his wisdom? There are teachers and instructors that you are learning under. That's how you know. There are teachers and instructors that you're learning under. You have invited them to speak into your life. Like a coach, they can correct you and you'll actually adjust accordingly. We do that at the gym or in athletics, but very few people are willing to take God that seriously. I recently read a book that uh, Pastor Randy recommended to us, The Trillion Dollar Coach. And it was about a man who coached some of the most successful, wealthy, and powerful executives in American industry. Many of them were Silicon Valley executives like Steve Jobs and Eric Schmidt and a variety of other names that you'd recognize, men women who had tremendous power, influence, and uh, authority over large companies. And this guy who coached them grew up in Pennsylvania, kind of a blue-collar background, but he was just really, really good at coaching people and getting the very best out of them. He was really an expert, and he studied, and he practiced being a great coach. And all of these men, all of these women, when, when this coach died, uh, they came to his funeral and they shared stories of the things that he said and did and how he really helped them not only be better at their jobs, but also better as human beings. Now, if the, the greatest doctors and the greatest athletes and the greatest executives in you know, secular business and sports, if they're continuing to improve, continuing to improve through coaching, obviously God's people should do that as well. Since our relationship is with the living God. And we're going to be learning from him forever and ever. He wants our lives to be characterized by this kind of disciplined learning, this kind of teachability. And the, this is why Jesus calls his followers disciples. They're disciples. Disciples is a word where the root word is discipline. 
That's what it means to follow Jesus. It means you're entering into a structured training program where you're going to discipline yourself and you're going to allow it to make demands on your life, which is very hard to do. This is the root of the word. Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. So as we go as disciples, we are spending our lives learning to obey everything Jesus has commanded. And that's why we have to find a church and plug into that church and train within that church, whether that's in a group or any other form of training within that church. It will require you to sacrifice some time. It won't be convenient. It makes demands on your life and on your family. But hey, that's the nature of discipline. We submit to it. We submit to these training regimes to learn and grow. We participate in worship corporately on Sunday. We participate in group life. We go to learning environments that our church provides. We, we take online courses that are available. We seek input into the decisions that we're making in our lives. We surround ourselves with people who are pursuing wisdom. Because all of these disciplines, well, they put us in the position To really be blessed. We submit to these things not because they're easy. But we need what they produce. Discipline produces the fruit, the results, the success that we want in our lives. So at Church in the Valley, I want to encourage you. Start training. Serve with us. Join a group. Share your life with those around you. Then buy up other training opportunities as they come. We can't become wise on our own. We need help from other people. Therefore, we have to choose an attitude of teachability. This turns out to be, teachability turns out to be, the only shortcut to success. The only true life hack. And if you'll choose teachability, If you listen to advice and accept instruction, in the end, you will be wise. And that's a promise. Not a promise for me. That's a promise from God's word. Proverbs 19.20. So, what's our next step? What can you do in response to the truth and the understanding that you've gained today? Well, first, I would encourage you to consider What is a problem or a need, what's a tension or a question that you have in your life that you need to get input on? And then do that. Get input from wise counselors. Earnestly seek it. Number two, take a step towards being known here at Church in the Valley. Request more information about being a part of a group, volunteering. Request more information about Membership or preview, getting to know our church. Finally, I'd encourage you to take initiative and have over people. Practice hospitality. Invite over friends from the church and really ask good questions. Find out how you can pray for one another. Share them the things that you're wrestling with. Allow people to encourage you, to help you remember, to help you Determine what would be the wisest course of action in a particular area that you're facing a decision. 
These are all great practices that you can choose to apply what we learned today. Next week, we're going to be continuing our series with the next life hack, which is patience. What do you do when life hacks aren't working? When you're applying the fear of the Lord, you're trusting the Lord with the outcome, you're choosing humility, you're choosing teachability, but the fruit has not yet grown. Success has not yet come. What do you do when it doesn't seem like it's working? That's what we're going to be looking at next week. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your wisdom that you give us throughout the whole scripture, but most importantly through your son, Jesus, the one who has shown us and made a way for us to be saved, to be forgiven for our sins, to be spared from eternal separation from you, and to be brought into the family of God, to become children of God, all because of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the revelation, the truth that you've given us in the book of Proverbs and all the books of wisdom in the scriptures. Help us to to be hungry and thirsty to get to know your word, to know what you say. Give us the ability, the desire to grow in wisdom. Give us teachability so that we can listen to advice and accept instruction. We want to be wise, but there are many things that can stand in the way. So help us to remember, Lord. Help us to choose the right things. We pray this for ourselves. pray this for our family. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.